Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary, and all my patron peeps, hey, what's up? Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, you really are here. You're a sleep hero. Uh, don't let your brain bots tell you any different. It's heroic what you're doing, sacrificing not only for your own self-care, but for lots of other people. And, uh, you know, helping me help other people. Couldn't do without you. Thank you, patrons. Uh, hey, you boy, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is try to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever is keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, physical sensations, you know, stuff on your mind, stuffing. While it's not the stuffing season, you know, you could have, like, what if someone's just walking around with a box of, like, a... The dehydrated stuffing. Well, one, I don't even know if it's dehydrated. Plus, is that a weird way? Did I just say? Did I just say dehydrated? Weird. Dehydrated. Is it dehydrated? It's dehydrated because the hydration's been de-deed right out of there. Just like I've been desensed. Uh, desensed. Uh, <laughs> let me let me get back to this stuffing and dehydration. Somebody remind me. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. So I'm going to create a safe place. I hope you feel welcome. I'm glad you're here. You know, I try to distract you from whatever it is that's keeping you awake, whether like any of the stuff I just mentioned, which I almost just repeated. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones. Like, obviously, clearly, if you just heard the last four seconds, pointless meanders. You know, d- 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 distra- I'm distracted. Uh, focus distraction. Like, that's also unfocused uh, in wa- waffling. No no waffles, but waffling. How about dehydrated waffles? Is That that was probably breakfast cereal. Okay, now, like, when I try to remember something, I cross my fingers. So now I have two sets of fingers crossed. Uh, descriptive, like, it's st- describing things that, like, are, you know, describing things like crossing my fingers. In- indulgent descriptions. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word. But if you're new, welcome. Uh, tonight's episode's about uh, Game of Thrones. If you don't listen to Game of Thrones, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, uh, there may be some spoilers in there, but it's a really lulling, uh, meandering, uh, a tamed down episode recap and then like a bunch of extra stuff. Uh, so, you know, check it out. Uh, structurally, if you're new, this, here's the structure of the show. You've made it thus far. It starts out with five or six minutes of business. That's how we pay uh, to host the show for free, keep the show free. Also host our giant archives uh, for free. And like uh, that's how we bring you the show, with, with listener support and sponsor support. So if you're new, not super critical. And if you want to skip that, uh, that was the timers and the, the time is in the show notes. Uh, if you're a regular listener, please tomorrow when you put your hand on the fridge, remember uh, that that's how we bring you the show for free. So say, geez, what were the sponsors last night? What was the uh, the jingle about? Uh, do do I want to support the show? Just re- remember that. But uh, if you're new, it doesn't not, not not that important. Then we're in an intro. The intros are about twelve minutes uh, that where I ramble. And try to uh, explain what the podcast is. You can skip those. A large portion of the listeners uh, 
like the intros, either to soothe animals so their animals know to get in bed or their stuffed you know who you know who loves the intro stuffed animals uh what about okay here's i don't have enough fingers to cross but what about dehydrated stuffed animals in a in, in a cereal form holy cow i hope my lawyer's listening uh, quinn because they think we need this anyway so um let's see now i'm distracted uh yeah like uh so if you're new Oh, the intros are long, long and rambly. You could skip straight ahead to the Game of Thrones content. That's the timestamp that's in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, a lot of listeners like this to get ready for bed or to fall asleep to. So it's kind of a show within a show. And I think that's it. About the, and then we'll talk about Game of Thrones. So Segment-wise, we'll talk about the episode. It'll be vanilla and rambly and ridiculous. Uh, then we'll talk about any facts that I had questions about in the episode. Uh, then, oh, this will be a recap, actually. This is going to be a recap of the season, I think. Uh, recording this intro ahead of time. So, actually, we'll probably just run through the, the, my thoughts about the season and, like, or any facts that came up that I didn't, like. Uh, then we'll have a visit from Tom and Sir Pounce. Then we'll do the prayers to old gods and the new, and then we'll thank some people. So that's the structure of the episodes, and yeah, the, 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 so I'll be here. This is a podcast. You don't really need to listen to it. I'm going to take try to distract you, so you just kind of bear. You say, "Hmm, oh yeah." That uh, even if you don't listen, watch Game of Thrones. You say, "Hmm, okay, I can pitch." I've been to a Renaissance fair. I'm with you. I've seen soap operas or whatever. Okay, you say they're brother and sister, huh? Hmm. Okay. Well. It, like uh, he, it, like most listeners that are like that, like list couple listeners that are in a relationship that I hear from, that's like their breakfast conversation. They say, "Hmm, what was Scoots talking about last night? I think he bought a food food dehydrator, and he's trying to dehydrate breakfast cereal." And you say, "Hmm, really, really? You, that's what he was talking about? Maybe, or maybe he just kept saying Cheerio." Like, uh, in doffing, I think he was doing his, you know, he doffs his cap a lot. And that's only, it's the only podcast with doffing of caps. Well, honey, no, I listen to the cap cast and they doff their caps there. But now, like, you said, he's, do you think he's, so he's dehydrated? I thought breakfast cereal was already dehydrated. I wonder, maybe we could dehydrate. So, do you think that's how the Lucky Charms got so lucky is he dehydrates do you think those are dehydrated marshmallows? Oh, honey, I have you really are brilliant. Holy cow. You're saying we should try to dehydrate marshmallows. I think we should. I think, what about the mini marshmallows and cocoa? Those are dehydrated. I never would have thought about this. Wow, that scoots. Uh, sometimes he's onto something. So you probably shouldn't, but we should probably get a hold of him and tell him not to dehydrate the cereal part, just the sweet part. Well, honey, you know, Scoots, he probably shouldn't have a vegetable or food dehydrator anyway. You know how he gets. Well, you're right. Maybe we should dehydrate some marshmallows and uh, maybe we should just do, do, you know, you look great. Did you, you must have slept great. Oh, I did, honey. It was great. I slept so good. I was dreaming of... uh I don't know what I was dreaming of. I think I was dreaming of cobblestones and someone saying cheerio to cobblestones. I think that was Scoots. Oh, that, you know what? That's strange. I was dreaming of hobblestones. 
So I think Scoots might have been calling them hobblestones, you know, because when you're walking on cobblestones, you're kind of hobbling. Yeah, I wonder if he said hobnobbing when he doffed his cap. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, let's get to, let's go into the, like, the, the, the garage and get that food dehydrator out, and let's go to the store and get some marshmallows, and let's get to it, and let's get, okay, hey, hey everybody, I'm back, sorry about that. So if you're new, that's what you have to look forward to, is, uh, like, those kind of conversations at breakfast, well-rested. Did you hear how well-rested that generic couple was? And, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I heard the kind of things that would make Gottman smile. I really, like, I don't know. I wasn't really listening to what they were saying, to be honest. I was thinking about those marshmallows and that I, that they were right, though, that I, like, I shouldn't have a food dehydrator. So, yeah, those, they seemed nice, though. I liked the, the way that couple sounded. So, if you're new... I guess that's it. Like, so it's a podcast to put you to sleep. But you, oh, here's the other thing: you shouldn't feel any pressure to fall asleep. Uh, I'll be here for these Game of Thrones episodes. They're long, and I'll be here the whole time, giving it my all, my A double L, which is you know, which in other every other context on the planet Earth and in Westeros, any continents on any planets would not be. Like, in this context, it, when I give it my all, it really works. Other places, clearly. I mean, I just had an imaginary couple that lives in my mind to tell me I'm not capable of using a food dehydrator. And they're right. I mean, let's, you know, uh, also don't send me any food dehydrators. I know there's, like, jo- jokers out there. I mean, if you do have one and you can risk it, dehydrate some marshmallows and send us some pictures. I, want, I would like to know. I mean, finally, the the great cereal barons, we could break their, like, uh, we could break the monopoly. You know, we could get, like, no. how about this one? No ad cereal. The no ad corporation is not responding to me since I talked about uh, coming out with no ad Europe, uh, no ad EU. I think probably because they're, they're, they're secretly owned by the sunscreen barons, but it, this would be the cereal barons. Uh, you know, the generals in the, uh, are the Parker, are the Parker brothers, they're in board game barons, not cereal barons. Uh, whoever else, you know, that tiger and the rest of them. We can, de- and the cocoa baron. I think, there, I don't think there are any cocoa barons anymore. I think what happened, this was another book I was thinking about writing, the hot cocoa glut. Uh, but it turns out I didn't know what glut is. As, as soon as you started being able to get uh, high cocoa at breakfast buffets at hotels, uh, you you just wait. Me and, this is going to be on me and Robert Reich's podcast, the imaginary one. You know, when we trace this back, uh, sponsored by no ad. And uh, like once they started giving away, once you could get as much, high, like once you could take as many high cocoa packets as you wanted, the bottom fell out of the high cocoa market. No one talks about this stuff from me. And if you're new, you probably know why, because uh, it hopefully took your mind off whatever is keeping you awake. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to bet it did. And you say, I wasn't thinking about stuff, but I don't even know what this guy's talking about either. And it almost kind of makes sense, and that's kind of the key. Like I said, contextually, like this is a place where that works. I'm not an inventor. I'm a near-inventor. I nearly have invented things, and most of them are within my imagination. 
Yeah, what do you want to do when you grow up? Be like a faux inventor. You're misusing faux. F. Okay, a near inventor. Can't, that's right, teacher in my brain. Can't come back from that one. So anyway, if you're new, I hope you feel welcome. Uh, I hope you don't feel any pressure because this podcast does not work for everybody. Clearly, you know, if you hold a majority stake in cocoa, cereal, or board games, you know, you may, you may consider me uh, your... Uh, nemesis don't worry about it i'm incompetent so also i spend a ton of money on those products so if you're new i'm glad you're here give it a few tries the podcast doesn't work for everybody it's a silly strange and you know like a like but most of the listeners have said well after two second or third time i realized uh the harmless the senselessness of this podcast and i can you know then i started having those conversations also, I'm just looking on my phone here. Uh, food, de- even though this podcast is recorded, food dehydrator uh, sales have shot up by uh, 0.4% in my general vicinity. Oh, that's because there's a lot of garage sales today. Okay, so anyway, so if you're new, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I really yearn. I work very hard to help you fall asleep. Thanks for coming by. All right, so we're going to start off tonight with the facts from last week from episode 7. And we're going to start, it's like I said, where do they film this? Where where did they film Dragonstone? Because, man, did I, like, I love those uh, those ridges. And, like, it, it just was a beautiful place. And so our friends over at Pop Sugar, you know, I got a couple friends that work over there. What's up? Yeah, this article came out August 11th, uh, 2017. Andrea Rear uh, talks about that, uh, Game of Thrones, you know, Danny. Daenerys Targaryen, you heard of her? Uh, she's our Khaleesi, by the way. She returned to her ancestral home of Dragonstone, Seaside Castle, down by the seaside. But where was this place? Well, the beaches where Danny's forces land uh, is Rune Beach in Zumia in Mur, Mur, holy mackerel, Muriola Beach uh, near Baraka, Barica, Barica. Both of them, whatever proper pronunciations are, you know, here's a pretty place. It's the northern coast of Spain. I'd like to be there. Uh, 60 miles apart. I would be just chilling. And, well, no, I'd be, like, playing on those ridges, too. And there were some exterior shots. This makes sense. Downhill Strand in the county of Derry in Ireland. And you can go on a, a Game of Thrones filming tour when you visit Belfast, Ireland. Uh, so those are the beaches, northern Spain, yeah, some of the, you know, those hilly shots, uh, County Derry, uh, and then the winding staircase that Jon Snow and Davos go up, uh, where Davos does his own mansplaining. Uh, that's on a islet, uh, islet bonita, in my opinion, uh, called Gaz Tel Ug Axe, Castle Rock, uh, in the Bay of Biscay in northern Spain. So get to northern Spain. Now, there's no castle. That's CGI. But there is a small church, San Juan, uh, the name of the island, uh, dedicated to John the Baptist. So check it out. You know, like, seriously, if you're going to be touring, why not get some Game of Thrones touring in, uh, while you're there? And I don't know if any—probably uh, the cast doesn't need to go on these tours, but, you know, if any of the cast did— um, Want me to interpret for them anywhere? I do it.
so, so, so I wanted to talk, I was going to talk a little about the movie, movie in the album Quadrophenia, and, and that talks a little bit about the mod, uh, the whole mod era in, in London. But you know what brings it up for me is Alfie Allen, who plays uh, Thoros. No, he doesn't play Thoros of Mir. I don't know why. Theon Greyjoy. I don't know what it is. I like, like Theon's a tough character, and I really identify with Theon. And I think it must be an incredibly difficult role for an actor to play. But there's just something about the look of Alfie Allen that says to me 70, like, like I know the uh, Quadrophenia in the 50s. I think maybe the movie came out in the 70s, though. But there's just, this, he has a real, like, in a good way, a 70s, uh, mo- like, movies, like, moody movies set in England feel to me. Like, when I think of him, and I'm not kidding, the word mod just pops into my head the whole time. Mod. I see, I see, like, after I say, oh boy, Theon, like, then I have to, like, uh, kind of detach myself to Theon. So then I say, okay, it's just an actor. Theon's not real, Drew. So it's not like, like, uh, like, don't let your internal critic, you know, grasp onto it for the future, you know. And they say, well, Jesus, he, he's very mod. Is, is he mod? And then, so that's why I was thinking about it. But let's start off with a uh, movie review. And I don't have a, yeah, like a Ro- Ro- Roger Ebert uh, review, but I do have one from the New York Times. Uh, November 2nd, 1979, Janet Maslin uh, uh, does a rock drama from a Who album, Mods and Rockers. And I'll link to it, but uh, like, the, like the article says, the results of my informal ser- survey about quadrophenia have been tabula- tabulated. And most moviegoers think this is either a concert film or a rock opera, or that the title refers to a quadraphonic soundtrack. Not true. It's a dramatic film, gritty, ragged, and sometimes quite beautiful. It happens to rec- incorporate rock songs and be saddled with a silly title. Though it's not a movie for everyone, Quadrophenia is something very special. It demands and deserves some special allowances. Uh, uh, set in England in 1964, populated by mods and rockers, bands of teenagers who speak with thick accents, and it might be hard for Americans to, to, to totally in, to decipher all that, and that's why it hadn't traveled well. But its foreignness has a perverse advantages, hoping to, helping to recast situations that might be commonplace in American end of adolescence movie, and making them remote enough to just just remote enough to seem fresh. Uh, Frank Rodham, the director, lends the film a clarity of emotion that keeps it becoming from becoming too confusing. Uh, the story is very very loosely derived from an album by The Who, which was an ambitious undertaking about a teenage boy, Jimmy, who's so acutely sensitive to social pressures, he developed a four-way schizophrenia of the title. Uh, Jimmy's condition was illustrated rather than described by four separate melodies, uh, one associated with each member of the Who, that eventually merged into one transcendent theme. Uh, The specific ending of the album called for Jimmy, you know, I don't want to spoil it, uh, like, let's see, but Quadrophenia, as directed and co-written by Mr. Rodham, is perhaps a little bit too raw to have come, culminated with a pie-in-the-sky ending. Uh, Jimmy, played by uh, avid-looking Phil Daniels, is a cheerful, unexceptional fellow, by no means a who's a hypersensitive hero. 
So there's a lot more. I, I just don't want to get into uh, the, the specifics to, to ruin it. But that's a review of Quadrophenia. So I guess this will get into the specifics by reading about it. It's a British drama film, uh, 79, based on the 73 album by The Who. And unlike the adaptation of Tommy, Quadrophenia is not a musical film, and the band is not in the film. Stars Phil Daniels as a 60s London-based mod who escapes from his long dead-end job as a mailroom boy uh, by getting, uh, you know, partying hard and riding a scooter, uh, dealing with the motorcycle rockers, and the trouble in Brighton, the seaside town of Brighton, and uh, then his discovers uh, his uh, idol Ace Face is a bellboy at a stings in it. So there you go. There's another reason to see it. And so yeah, so like I don't know, maybe like I don't think they should redo that movie, but Alfie Allen should be on their. Uh, if you're doing any '70s style movies, you get this dude. I mean, the dude that like he's a talented, talented actor. I think everybody knows that. And he was in a movie. Uh, with Keanu Reeves, but he kind of played a Theon-esque character in that movie a little bit, uh, like a like a little bit jerkier version of Theon. Another question that came up for me, this will be the last fact of this episode, um, was when uh, we had all, like at the beginning, when we had all the uh, Unsullied standing there, I said, is that a legion? Like how many, how many people are in a legion? What are those uh, like rectangles of soldiers called? Is that a legion? You may think the whole group would be a legion because I looked up Roman legion on Wikipedia. It was the largest, so the largest unit of the Roman army. So it might have been a legion of unsullied. 3,000 men in early times to 1,500 in imperial times, uh, consisting of centuries as the basic units. Uh, until the middle of the first century, 10 cohorts so it was about 5,000 men that made it. So Roman legion, then it was nine cohorts. And the first cohort was double strength. Uh, Legion may have met the entire army early on, but uh, they don't have proof of that. Uh, but it, I think there's 8,000 unsullied or 7,000. So that's pretty close to Legion. Uh, by the third century, the Legion was a much smaller unit of 1,000 to 1,500 men. What was the smaller? Armies consisted of auxiliaries. Uh, Overview of typical organization and street because legions were not permanent units until the Marian reforms of 107 BC. A legion consisted of several cohorts uh, and legionnaires, uh, and a unit of could be auxiliaries. So, this doesn't really help me like answer that. Uh, Oh, here's a uh, le- legions were composed of the following units: cavalry, cal- 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 cavalry, uh, light infantry. Is that light infantry or are they heavy in- infantry? You think they're light infantry? So I don't know. There, there was a group of like there was all those rectangles. So, so I don't I guess they're not like a legion. So I guess you could say that was a legion, the whole group. But was they cohorts? I thought a cohort was like a work thing where. It wasn't, you weren't in real trouble, but it, like, they're like, oh, you should be in a cohort so other people can advise you because your decision making's not so hot. Uh, but, that, but again, that could ju- just be me. Centurion, that's, uh, I'm still looking for answers here. Uh, these are just like the special duties. How much did they get paid? Uh, 
uh, legionnaires got 225 denarii a year, which was, uh, who knows how much that was, uh, uh, discipline. We don't need to know that. Uh, so anyway, I guess that was uh, we auxiliary. Let's see. No, no, I forgot cohort. I don't see. Anyway, that's a little fact. And let's talk about season seven now, or the whole season. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna do a, like a run for, through of what I can remember. Of season seven. It's Thursday night when I'm recording this. Like uh, the Thursday, like right after the season finale came out. I think, or is it a week after? No, it came out on Sunday. Yeah, so it just came out like four days ago or five days ago. I watched it a bunch of times. And, you know, the big things we kind of covered, like it kind of was hard because it wasn't 10 episodes. And I don't read, like I try to avoid, I definitely avoid spoilers. And my brother's big into like watching all the YouTube stuff. So then I have to say, don't talk to me about this stuff. Because he knows, like, all the, like, he goes to all those YouTube, you know, the people that are, like, really good at theorizing stuff. Uh, And he did spoil me on one thing, like, two or three seasons ago. So I haven't, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be over that. But, you know, you got, you that's, like, that's life, you know. Can't see everything in all or nothing, Khaleesi. You got to see it in the great grays of uh, Grey Worm and the North. But so what I'm saying is I don't know what, like, I, I, so I did do some reading just because, like, uh, there's some great writers over at the New Yorker, just some great Game of Thrones writers. I don't want to name any names that I enjoy reading their reaction. I think they're very funny. So normally after I record an episode, then I'll read some of those just for laughs and say, oh, wait a second, I didn't notice that or whatever. And just like with the hopes they say, well, I got a joke in that they didn't get, like they didn't, they didn't make a joke about something that I made a joke about. That makes, gives me, helps with my low self, you know, helps build up my self-esteem, at least on paper. And like, uh, but so, but I feel like this season, like I know discussing it, like with my brother Ken, it, it was like, uh. This was a different, starting with like where the world was expanding and now it's coming back together. I think they maybe Weiss or Benioff talked about that at the end of the last episode. And they can be tough. Like and my brother kind of said that it's just hard to watch this show now where it's going and they're trying to gather everybody and get them ready for this, uh, like what's going on. And I say, okay, well, yeah, like it's tough. Uh, it's weird. Uh, like, and I don't know if this is because of peak television or whatever you want to call it, or the gold, like the platinum, I would call this platinum age. I'm not going to mess around with the golden age. Uh, I assume when you say the platinum age, it's better than uh, that, but who knows? But like, uh, where you have these long relationships and like the internet to discuss your relationships with these shows, uh, and that they can, they have the luxury of coming to an end. It's it's interesting. I wonder what an anthropologist would say about all this. It would really like uh, boggle my mind. But so I think it is like they. I think they did a good job because it didn't seem like there was that many um, subplots really this season. And I mean, with seven episodes, you really can't do that. So we can talk about all the different plots or subplots or whatever that were going on. And I guess we just have to live with like. Uh, I mean, I don't know. For me, it's like, like, like enjoyable in some sense is seeing some of these characters coming together. 
seeing the Starks return home, that was really inevitable. And, like, I mean, one of the things I did talk about a few episodes ago was, like, I really feel like this season is giving people, like, especially the Starks, but other characters as well. And it's mostly subtextually, but no, a lot of it is in the dialogue and stuff to say, hey, this happened to me and it had an impact on me and it hasn't been easy. Or saying, hey, I know that had an impact on you, like Sansa and Arya talking about it. And I guess, like, uh, I don't know, I like that, that, that it's just not always moving forward. It's looking back, not just at the events as they occurred, but at the events in the imprint the events have left on the characters, the human, the human side of that. And, and I don't, I, well, first of all, are people from Westeros human? I, I, like, I think I asked that, and I don't know if I've got an answer. I uh, haven't tried to ask George or uh, Weiss or Benioff because I just don't want to get, like, I don't want to get blocked or whatever. But uh, let's just assume they are, or they're like such close, uh, they're so close that it doesn't make a difference then. Oh, oh, sorry. My brain just asked if I was human. And I said, that's like, but my brain was serious about that question too. So, okay. So, so, okay. So criticisms of the season, one, it was too short. I guess that's like a natural criticism. I, I did hear a lot of, uh, like about Danny and John getting together. But I think they dealt with it in an interesting way to say this is going to be a pretty complex, uh, like, uh, like the way they did it at the last episode with the voiceover or the brand over, uh, or the, you know, the flashback over and T- Tyrion's look. Maybe Tyrion in that case was a proxy, not for the audience, but for, uh, the the reality of the situation like i don't know if like i haven't read anything about what what people speculate his look meant uh, but it could just be a pained look of like uh that like uh he knows this isn't you know this was both inevitable and going to be painful and probably not going to grow go great and even when john and uh danny were kind of with with one another it didn't look like it, was, it looked like it was going pretty well, but it didn't look like it was exactly going like uh, phenomenal. I mean, I, I'm just like 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 thinking about that. This was like what was intentional, you know? Like it was like, hey, it's going good, but it, like we're both, you know, she's you know looking at you. Either one of them could say, you know, how could it go not good? But I don't know. Like we're toes curling. I guess that would be a fair question. And, like, I think maybe Tyrion's look represents said, Jesus, I don't feel any ter- toes curling. Did I almost say terse curling or something? But, but so, I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. And I do, I did have, like, a little bit of, a, like, it, it's just like, I'm like, who, like, uh, like uh, you knew this was going to happen. So it's like, uh, like, that's all that I said. It's people getting, like, uh, really irritated about it. I said, well, it's, you know, it's going to happen. And then like, if it didn't happen, what would they do? Like, uh, you know, and, and like I said, when the Khaleesi's in love, like, holy mackerel, like, uh, it was like the, the peak of my attractedness to, to, to Cersei was, uh, when she was like the night when she was drinking all the wine, I think season two battle, like the battle of, of, uh, Blackwater. And so it's just interesting when my peak attraction to characters is, um, says, so it says a lot about me. So I'm trying to figure out a way to move on immediately. 
Um, so I don't know. So, so I don't know what the, more to say there is about John and Danny. Let's see. So what else was uh, people didn't seem happy about? I mean, I think it was this whole. Um, so let's say, I guess let's get into the, the, the subplots or the plots. So in, in the unresolved ones. So let's just start with the Stark, the other Stark children. So we had the Sansa story and the Arya story and then the Sansa Arya Baelish story. And I think from the Sansa only story, it was powerful. Like Sansa is coming into her own and then fully came into her own as the warden in the north. Or, I mean, uh, the Lady of Winterfell. I, I, I think she became the warden of the north, uh, you know, starting with her machinations, uh, bringing like Baelish in to save the day. And so I think this is just interesting, like carrying and building momentum for Sansa into the next season. We don't know what'll happen. So that was interesting, but also saying, hey, this past has had some impact on me. So I'm still not sure, you know, it's going to take me seven episodes uh, to find my way because I've been through a lot. So that was interesting. Then we had Arya returning home and like we kind of talked about early on, like, uh, when you've changed so much, a return home can be very difficult uh, because she's still Arya, as we learned by the end of the season. But she, in some sense, is a completely, she's been through a lot too. And so she is a much different person. I wouldn't say a completely different person, but I mean, maybe that was on the big board when they started the season. Can Arya return home, like emotionally? And so that question kind of got answered in that, like, I mean, I guess we knew that wherever Arya ended up, she would be an asset, uh, at least to Arya and to whoever she was uh, taking sides with. Uh, clearly, are you know, uh, the, the, like Arya's a plus. And, and I guess it was good that it wasn't an easy season for me in my relationship with Arya just because I didn't understand what was happening and I was kind of dreading what I thought was going to happen, and they they masterfully, like, pretty much turned the tables on me, or, or at least, like, left me uncertain. So I was able to enjoy that, like, in, instead of just being Aria fanboy, which is, like, every other season, it's simple. I'm Aria fanboy, you know, and I'm Team, team Aria. I mean, team, team Davos, but then da well, we'll talk about Davos uh, short, short, for, as short as we can. Uh, so that was good. And then we had the, the, the relationship with uh, Arya, uh, Baelish, and uh, Sansa. And they kind of ended up playing out like in a way that at least there was enough misdirection and emotional complication and history between Arya and Sansa that wasn't clear, it, like, it was like, oh, okay, is this how it's playing out, that they're playing Baelish? Or I guess when you look at it, like, afterwards, it could have played, like, we don't know how it played out because we didn't see everything. And I almost think that's better unanswered. It's like, oh, when did Arya and Sansa catch on? Uh, because it probably took Sansa seven episodes uh, to really, like, become, like, reach her fullness after her full confidence and, and have kind of her steam wash in and inform her choices, maybe. And, like, inform, like, cause, like, it felt like another thing, I guess, that I'm just thinking of now is, like, there was a lot of shame in, in kind of being tossed around between the three of them. 
uh, I don't think Ari or Sansa was really doing any shaming of anybody else, but, uh, you know, she was kind of being pushed to shame, shame for being like a human and making, you know, having complicated choices and then having to make a choice in a complicated situation. And I don't know what my point was about that other than it's not easy to like, like have your self-esteem then rise up and pull you out of the shame and say, no, like, like, uh, you, 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 like you won't shame me basically, Peter Baelish, or you shame to manipulate me. And maybe to Aria, we don't know, like say, Hey, no, uh, doing the best. I think she did say that. Like I did the best I can. Like, uh, I'm a good person. Like, you know, it's just complicated choices. And so that was interesting, and I think it was delicious, you know, the way it resolved itself. Uh, it was sweet justice, uh, and it was just good to see them, the two of them together. And then, you know, for Sansa's kind of closing, you know, to kind of they address each other. But then she says, you're still freaking weird, like creeping me out. And Ari says, that's right. Uh, you know, wouldn't be any other way, more or less. Uh, so true sibling, I don't know like, uh, what the writer's situation is, but it felt like a real sibling moment. I mean, I guess Bran, like, like the, he's still in the WTF zone. Cause he's just like, I think what that was like with the embrace. It's like, he's like already, I mean, he's been through a lot and he knows it. Like, uh, it's just like, it's just another character for me to identify with. He's like, yeah. Like, and then I think it was just good that they kind of, uh, they didn't hammer it home, but we had the second, like the second time with, uh, this time with Sam Waltarly to say, what the heck's a first three-eyed raven, dude? And like, whoa, that's interesting. You see all terrific, uh, like, whoa, get me out of here. So, I mean, we didn't see really the human side of Bram because he may not be human anymore. He, he's a three-eyed raven. So I don't know if there was criticism of that, but it, it's just like Bran's weird now because he's not really, a, he's not a normal, he's not a normal person anymore. It was just a fact. I think he tried to explain that to Mira, I guess in a way similar to be like, Hey, I, like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not like, I'm a three-eyed raven. Oh, so I'm also oh, raven, but not like Raven Simone, like a three-eyed raven from the North used to be on Strange Brew. Then I became a man who lived in a tree and was also a tree. And now I'm down here just doing, you know, like, uh, and then he got to have like a peak moment where he took, got to turn the help turn the tables on Baelish. And he definitely seems like an asset in this situation. So, uh, like, we'll see. I mean, I saw one theory that I was like, what the heck? Like, uh, but I don't know. Like, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, so it's Bran, Arya, Sansa. I'm trying to think what else happened in Winterfell. Anything else I need to check in? I mean, Bran, like, uh, we had a lot of delightful moments as you bring the characters together. And then I guess you do have to focus on these ma more major stories. You don't get a lot of Bran time, but we did get, like, a little bit, and we got a tiny bit of pod time. We didn't even get a lot of Tyrion time this season because uh, there's just a lot going on. I mean, he had a lot of heavy lifting to do body language and facially, uh, Peter Dinklage. Um, and it's, it's through the moments he did have of dialogue, and he was kind of in a tough position, not as a just actor, but as a character to kind of be like uh, uh, trying to steer the Khaleesi 
in one particular direction. So I kind of feel like the main stories this season were the, the Stark story, which we covered then, and then the Lannister story, which I guess we could cover next, which was uh, really, um, I don't think got enough attention. I don't think, I don't know if Jamie's, uh, like, d- d- journey, like, uh, maybe because it's like, is it not plausible? And I'm not talking about his physical journey. Like, uh, did it have one too many turns? I mean, it was really enjoyable, enjoyable for me to experience. And remember, I'm watching these episodes four or five times. And I'm a regular dude. So, like, there is enough in me that's, like, like uh, jealous of, like, uh, like J- Jamie and kind of encountered his kind of character, which is, like, uh, what do you call it? Like a, like a himbo or whatever. I don't know what you call it. But, uh, but I don't know. I really like. I, I, like again, I found the acting just like uh, it, like it went to another level this season, and maybe that was what what made me enjoy about this journey. And I think Cersei's journey, like um, I guess she has almost entered this irredeemable territory, which we talk about. Like the last kind of character that was like that was the dude up at Craster's Keep. Um, whose name I forget now that I wrote the musical about. I don't know if it like, like, uh, I don't even know what season that was, but, um, yeah, I'm just thinking, I wonder, but seriously, ever since her last confrontation, uh, like with before Baylor, uh, like where she kind of, uh, uh, has this showdown and she's like, Oh, we're all like, uh, like, like once everybody kind of turns against her and it seems like she's on the downside and then she like takes it to another level with Baylor. I mean, she's crossed into irredeemable territory. And so I guess that's a tough load for the storytellers and the actress to carry because, uh, like how, how do you keep it nuanced and interesting when a character's crossed over? to a place where it it seems like redemption is very unlikely. And also, how do you keep it from being just like, a, I don't know, tropey, maybe not like it, like, and they managed to pull that off. And I think Jamie, Jamie's story was a big help in that, uh, because we were able to kind of see like, um, that he was kind of like, like uh, that he just has this, um, unhealthy relationship with his sister. And I'm not even talking about the, the original relation, the original not unhealthy relationship. Uh, and like there kept being these markers to like, I mean, for a long time now, but especially starting in the middle of last season, uh, to be like where he, he kind of sees, uh, I think especially with, uh, Whoever the Blackfish's son is, I forget now. Like, that's another character I liked, but uh, where Jamie's driven by something that he doesn't even understand towards Cersei. And is it going to drive, like, like I really like that we we seem to have got an answer. And again, like, it was like, one of the main things I love about Game of Thrones is the misdirection. I thought we had one or two answers earlier. And the way it resolved itself, or seemingly has, it all—it almost seemed like it was impossible. But when you look way back to Jamie, the time Jamie spent with Brienne, now it's like, oh, it seemed impossible, but also it, it like um, were, were inevitable. 
And I just love that, like, like uh, that somehow in all of this uh, pomp and circumstance, they can have this uh, very human character. I mean, that's likable in some sense because he's devastatingly handsome and, and charming. But that, like, uh, he's just like, I mean, if he had a chance, he'd say, like, like I mean, he kind of did uh, with Olana, like, uh, like, I'm just a human. Like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm a human. Like, like I can't, like, uh, I don't understand it myself. Uh, and, yes, I may be riding right into my doom. And, I mean, maybe Cersei's biggest mistake was uh, not realizing uh, the gravity of, uh, playing with that, of like over, like I think in the end, it, she over manipulated Jamie. And that was like, uh, the last straw for him it, that kind of woke him to his senses was like, Oh, this woman, like I am nothing to her. I think maybe before the end of the season I said, well, she's like irredeemable, but there's still something good for her that I, that we have together. And, and it seemed like she was leading him that way this season. And then, you know, wh- whether she, she's really pregnant or not really pregnant, doesn't matter. Is that, uh, it was kind of something simple. Like they, she didn't tell him about, like, uh, that she had this secret plan. Well, it was bigger than that. Maybe that, that, uh, she doesn't care about She cares more about herself than humanity. Uh, so I guess it was this collision of that big issue along with this little issue of like, no, 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 I don't care about you either. Like, uh, at all, uh, just using you. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Like, but I really thought, uh, I don't know. I thought that was a nice story this season. I mean, we got a little bit of brawn, probably not, uh, I don't know. I guess we got a good, good enough amount of brawn. Uh, like, uh, but, but like just seeing Jamie kind of travel and return and then try to leave. And then, uh, finally, like, he's like, okay, this is like uh, ridiculous. Uh, like, I don't understand, like, uh, you are irredeemable or you've gone beyond the pale. And I also really enjoyed whatever Clyburn's doing behind the scenes, but Cersei's ability to outsmart me and outtrick me, like, was enjoyable to know that she was always a few steps ahead of me and that that will continue to be the case. Like, that makes the show eminently watchable, or like, uh, to me. It's like, okay, I have no, I have great trust in everyone making the show and the characters, like, uh, ability to influence the story too so like i, I loved that uh trying to think of what else between jamie and Cersei. i mean sir gregor he didn't really uh have anything uh i mean Cersei, she's just really not well i mean i think that's what approved like but beyond the pale like she's driven i mean she's always been driven by some very sandbox level very strange, like, uh, family dysfunction. I mean, I'm not a, a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but, like, her actions on Game of Thrones epitomize what I love about it, which is, like, that uh, it's just like children playing in the sandbox. And she, while probably being one of the most mature characters and one of the most intelligent and cunning characters, is also the most childlike uh in simplistic in some sense, some sense, because it's like almost like a like a 
a child acting out when you do they like when they're too tired and you say, I don't even understand why you're acting this way. He's kind of like the motivations at her depth. I mean, other than like, I mean, like the, the real things that are driving her. But even then you say, well, Jamie, Jamie, it's like, well, what do you mean? Like if a family's driving you, like, I, like, I just don't get that. And she's like, yeah, right. You don't get it, dude. And I think that it was just a nice way that he left, but she still, like, it went from being Jamie trapped to seriously trapped uh, by, by her own behavior. And, uh, like, so that was, like, I was a little bit sad for her standing, watching him leave. Uh, I thought that was a powerful, powerful moment. And I think it was powerful, the small scale of that story in some sense, that most of Circe's, I don't know if this was intentional, but most of her story was confined to, to wherever that part of the Red Keep is with the map and her offices. And while, while there was other stuff going on, I don't know. I think that was just another interesting interesting part of it. So I guess that cover, maybe that covers Cersei and Jamie. So then, the other, I mean, we have the big overarching story. I'm trying to think what uh, Khaleesi's story is. I mean, if she's returning to her homeland or place of birth or her ancestral home. And like, I think like, I guess maybe seeing the complexities of power. I mean, I think that was a discussion like power is not pretty and making decisions, these global level decisions almost, or how am I going to play, how am I going to use this power? And what does it say about what kind of leader I am? And like, uh, uh, like again, that, that, that none of this is easy and none of it is clear. And I'm not getting the best, like, like, uh, who's advising me and how much do I listen to these advisors? I mean, the, the high point was Alana again saying, uh, your dragon be a dragon. Uh, but again, that was almost, it was clear and cryptic at the same time. Cause it's like, well, what does that, what does that even mean? Like, uh, I'm not a three eyed raven then. Would, like, like maybe that was like a conversation, Bran and Three-Eyed Raven. He said, Bran, you're going to be a Three-Eyed Raven, so be the Three-Eyed Raven. And Bran said, well, I don't even know what that means. Uh, and they said, well, it's just like, it's like, does it make any sense to you? Bran said, no. Okay. Like, yeah, it's weird, man. So, but be, be a dragon. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. Uh, like just a, like it leaves a wonderful taste in my mouth that, that, uh, but I guess to trust your instincts and, and try stuff that your instincts are pushing you through then over calculation. And maybe that's like the counter to like, like that, how Cersei is behaving. I mean, Cersei's cunning, but she says she doesn't seem to, to ever over calculate or. And she she doesn't rule. I mean, other than Clyburn, it's not like she's like, uh, huh? What should I do? Or like she's action oriented and putting in place her plan and then adjusting her plan. Her plan needed some adjustment a few times this season, and she was able to do that. And I guess it's easier with Cersei because Cersei knows the end game, total control of everything. With Cersei at the head. Where the Khaleesi's like a little more nuanced, like, well, what kind of ruler do I want to be? What kind of impact? Well, this is what uh, Tyrion's saying. Uh, who's this Jon Snow? What does he want? Uh, well, I wanted to deal with Cersei. Now there's this other thing in the north. 
uh, like back when she was the breaker of chains, she just broke chains, right? Like, uh, and dealt with it. And I guess she had to, like, then she had to rule, uh, uh the city with all the pyramids. And that wasn't easy either. So I don't know. I forgot about Sam though, but I think his like journey was pretty clear. He's a hero. I mean, he's the best Charlie. That's it's that simple. Like, uh, luckily now he doesn't have to worry about, uh, like, uh, whatever I call his dad, Buttface Tarly or whatever. Yeah, Buttface and Dick and Tar- Tarly. Uh, his brother didn't seem that bad, but just a little uppity. But, uh, but I mean, his was very clear. Like, uh, a hero g- g- sometimes gives up on his dreams or what he wants uh, for the good of others uh, and takes risks. And it was, Sam took a lot of risks this season. So that was a nice one. Okay, so back to Khaleesi. I, I don't know. I think Khaleesi's season was just, uh, uh, so I guess, so part of the main story that uh, it's kind of inseparable. But yeah, like what a what a like uh, what a load to bear, and then uh, you know have to deal with Jon Snow, and then deal with these complex feelings about Jon Snow, and to deal with the relationship with the dragons, to deal with all this birth talk or mothering talk, and then. To have one of your dragons uh, stay north of the wall, uh, and, and I don't know. To, to, to uh, I mean, I guess in the end, she decided to change her plans too, and say, "Well, what's best for everybody? Uh, uh, maybe I don't need to r- worry about being a ruler right now. I have to worry about this helping helping everybody." And then I don't know who this Jon Snow is. He's, you know, pretty heroic. And his middle name self self-sacrifice uh, and his hair and everything. So uh, not that I'm irritated at all by that. I mean, he's definitely irritated a few times by Davos. Now, his comedic relief was phenomenal. And maybe I was just like, I guess I heard a theory from my brother, Ken, and he basically said, like, like, so I was telling him, I'm like, man, Davos is getting, like, why has he got to be such, like, a, like, a, why has he got to be creeping Masande out? Like, I, like, I'm saving her for Grey Worm. And, like, I don't want anybody bugging her. And my brother was like, basically, look at it this way Davos is a very loyal character. And, he was stuck with Stannis, who's basically like as dull as a saltine cracker or whatever, and, or dry as a saltine cracker this whole time. So now he gets to be with Jon Snow. He's the second in charge. And so he's like his belt's looser. He's just like, hey, man, this is great. And, and then he's never been around women before, really. So suddenly, like, it kind of throws him off. Uh, so he's just like, uh, like, like feeling like, uh, he's just enjoying himself and having a little bit of fun, you know, being a character. And I said, okay, I could see that, but I just don't like it. I mean, for the most part, and just like some of his com- comedic relief and then Tormund's, like the Hound, it was more, much more serious because he has sad eyes. I mean, he still had some funny lines, but I think like, uh, and, uh, Tyrion d- did not have too much, uh, comedic relief. Uh, Varys was very quiet this season. He just had that one mysterious moment. Um, and Sir Jorah really, uh, he got helped by Sam and uh, like, he got to be on the super team, which is cool. And it was good. To, like, I mean, that, that I already talked about. It couldn't been happier. Like, I like the brotherhood without banners. Um, Gendry's not bad. Great runner. 
but the hound and the uh, uh, and then to have uh, Tormin and uh, I mean Davos was stayed home because he said I'm not good at anything, but uh, that that was great. Uh, so that was it, and then I guess like the overall arching arc of the season was, hey, humanity's in a bit of trouble here. Uh, wait till 2019 or whatever when we finish this up. Uh, but again, I think a lot of it is due to these incredible, the the, the funding they're getting now to do this incredible CGI and, and, and scene painting and going to these amazing locations. And that's what drives, uh, like, I guess, like, a ha- they have to intersect the story with the expectations and, and what works. And those are the things that are working. And that's not easy balance to strike with all those things. But they're they're doing a pretty good, darn good job, in my opinion. And, you know, there's different kinds of television. Like, there's Game of Thrones and then there's Leftovers, which I'm watching now. And so it's like... uh like, uh, it's, it's different things, but it's like, again, like a human experience, uh, in, in the end, a lot of times, but there, you know, there, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance with Game of Thrones and cool stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what else does we have in this season? Who, who else we didn't see from Jacques and I don't know if we'll ever see him again, hopefully. Yeah, probably the Red Priest to still come back. I don't know if the Golden Company will come to Cersei's rescue or not. Uh, I don't know about uh, Khaleesi's old boyfriend. Uh, what's his name? Um, that's played by Dario Naharis or whatever. Um, I'm trying to think what else uh, What else we missed. Uh, what else I'm not thinking of. But, I mean, uh, oh, um Here's something. I, I don't understand what's going on with the uh, people in Sunspear. Uh, what is that called? Whatever that place is. It's like uh, they couldn't get the boats to pick them up, or were they on the boats? Because uh, otherwise, can't they freaking walk up north? Uh, whatever that place is where uh, like gold, where, where they wear the gold stuff, uh, where Elias Sands from. Uh, but again, I think that was just a story thing. And I guess it was difficult this season that uh, Westeros got a lot smaller, you know, to make it the ability to tell the story. And that wasn't easy that uh, whatever Deus Ex Machina, Egg Mag, Egg Salad, or whatever you said, Deus Ex Machina. Uh, but, you know, uh, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, like. Uh, I mean, it was interesting that it went from taking freaking for a whole freaking season to get somewhere, but you know, uh, I guess in the end it's, it's gotta get done. And I find those things just about it. And I think like, it's like, I'm here to enjoy myself and be, be immersed in the story and, and particularly to enjoy being misdirected. I don't know if there's any other misdirections that I was thinking of, uh, and trying to think a brand, like, uh, and I don't know. Like, we didn't see a lot of Ed Tollett this season, or Ned Tollett, whatever the heck his name is. He opened the door a couple times. I guess he's at Castle Black, and everything was moved over to uh, Eastwatch. Uh, and I guess Castle Black is probably the place to be. Like, move north. How about this? Move north of the wall. There's some advice. You know, it might be cold, but uh, at least, you, you know... There's a freaking no, uh, like, a feist or whatever that thing was spraying out of its mouth. 
But so in the end, I think it was a great season. I mean, again, I could have used three more episodes just for my own pleasure. But I think I'm most struck uh, by Jamie and Sansa. Like, if I had to say, who are the VIPs for the season? I don't know who I'd like, uh, say, Tormund and Davos is like uh, humor. And cool Drogon, it was definitely out there. There's so much cool stuff with Drogon. But I'd say like uh, the, the like an Arya, but like uh, I think Arya and Sansa together and Jamie like really had. I mean, I think like Jon Snow's already heroic. I guess Sam. I mean, Sam VIP v, VIP or whatever v, MVP for the season. Samuel Tarly. Uh, but like I'd say, maybe he's like the sleeper of the season. Maybe Jamie's the sleeper of the season. I don't know. Can you give an award to every character? It, it, we definitely didn't get enough Missandei, but I mean, I'm kind of over, like, I just like, just incredible, like, I'm just like, she's like, uh, not available. So it's like, what am I going to do other than like, my heart beats a lot when I see, I loved her hair this season and especially watching it blowing in the wind and when like her, her, her silence, silent kind of confidence, uh. But yeah, I'd say like like I really enjoyed Sam's journey, like of heroism. I liked Bran, how like strange he was, but it, like embracing the strange and how it was kind of comedic at times, but not always. He did spend a lot of time with that freaking tree, though. And again, I don't know about that Chuck E. Cheese face in the tree, but I would upgrade that with some CGI, or just do some bonus scenes with it freaking singing. Like, it's my opinion, like, uh, like internet bonusings with the singing to Bran or, you know, talk, messing with Bran and cracking him up, uh, saying Polly want a cracker or something like that. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't need to talk about it too much. Uh, great season is season seven. And so I'll see you at season eight. What do you say? Uh, whenever that's there, I'll be here watching. And uh, let's get the rest of this episode going here, huh? Okay, Podman, I'm ready. Okay, okay, are you sure? Yeah, so I just am going to miss it. And I don't like uh, the FDC. Is it the FDC or the FDCD? Don't worry, don't say those letters, Simon. Oh, okay. I would like to trade in. Like, Okay, don't worry. I want you to become Burlinghoffer now. Okay, I'm becoming Isringhausen Burlinghoffer. Okay. Yeah, just think about, you know, John Luke and data tricking. Oh, yes, okay, I'm ready. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, it's uh, time to interrupt your, spe- for your special for program for a very special program. Amazing solutions to everyday problems with your hosts, uh, Gene and Isringhausen Burlinghoffer for K-Pounce Radio, the radio of uh, boys and cats and best friends everywhere, K-Pounce. Oh, thanks, Al. Oh, uh, geez, uh, I'm here with Gene. I'm Isringhausen Burlinghoffer. Gene, say hello. I'm Isringhausen Burlinghoffer, futurist uh, from the future. And when, even when I was in the future, I was thinking about the future beyond that. And in the past, I've traveled to time and space. And I've dealt with people in the Federation and more than one Federation I've run afoul of because of my vision. And we started a program here in your time on Earth uh, to raise, uh, 
for candy funds and toy funds and green because my greens the dough the the dough I play with it always tries out and also the goes the Legos they always come out with new ones so they cost okay I'm not supposed to talk about those things but we started a fund here. And we were raising, we 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 were hoping to raise a bunch of, but then the FD, FDA, CDA, or something said, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, but you know, we we don't give up here because you know, you we don't want you to give up on your everyday solutions to everyday problems because nothing is everyday, except for something that you may need in your life. And we're selling it today for the price of zero point zero dollars. Oh, the control panel's freaking out. Uh, they say I'm not authorized to give this away, and they don't know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing. My name is uh, Isringhausen Berlinghofer, and I'm here to tell you a quick story about a boy uh, that I once was, you know, before I was a man, uh, with, you know, hair on my body. That's how much of a man I am. I mean, like, it looks like it's growing. I said, is that, is that hair growing there, or what? Uh, and a boy that will one day have hair on his lips, uh, but not a, a, like, a, how come the hair does not grow? It grows around the lips. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Gene, what do you think? Is hair smart or what? Man, you're right. It is. It, it, it's like uh, in the membrane, just like that song Podman sing, sings. Uh, anyway, I'm here because, uh, you know, I was once a boy. And I, I lived a life, and it was a full life for a boy to live. Uh, we'll just say that. I uh, I lived in a place that will be almost nameless, uh, Rose, Rose, west of the Rose, we'll say. And, uh, you know, I had some ups and some downs. And through it all, I had someone at my side, someone to carry me through. It was my friend Gene, who's really Sapounce. Sapounce, introduce yourself. Yes, man. Yes, ta-da. That's Sapounce, and he's my best friend. That's Oh, that's what you said. I'm sorry I started talking. You're my best friend. Yes. And that's what I'm pitching today is the solution to so many of your problems is friendship. Uh, it is an everyday solution, and it's an amazing solution to everyday problems is friends. Now, you might say, Isringhausen Berlinghofer... You've come from the future to tell us to be friends. Well, no, no, no. I'm reminding you uh, to be friends because sometimes I feel like uh, even I forget. Luckily, I have a best friend that's a cat. And cats have a way of reminding you by sticking their head under your hand or licking between your thumb and your finger with a sandpaper tongue that makes me giggle. Thank you, Sapounce. Uh, when you have a frowny face, uh, that's what your best friend does if it's a cat. Now, maybe not. Uh, don't do that uh, to in in real life. Uh, uh, but I've been looking around your world, and I said to them, "Hmm, there's uh, more than uh, the people said." Uh, uh, Isringhausen, Tommen. Uh, that's my real name. I'm Prince Tommen. Really, it's it's just a character I play. Isringhausen Berlinghofer, or Rasmussen Berlinghofer. However, you the Podman scribe writes it down in his scribble. And yes, I'm going off script and I'm going rogue, Podman, because uh, there's nothing 
more in vogue than friendship uh, that could be. And I'm here to remind you that from the future and from the past and from the places of fan and fiction is to be a friend. Now, we all need friends, right? And you could be saying, geez, what have you done for me lately, Eddie? I thought you were my best friend, but it turns out you're just a character on that TV show with your father with uh, and your mother, the Moonsters or whatever. And they have their own cheese, you know, those characters. I said, I want only to eat Munster cheese sandwiches from now on, now that I know about it. Oh, keep going. Big bad man said, keep going with the friendship stuff. So, and I know this is tough, and I, I, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna soft sell you on it. Uh, it's easy to, uh, it's not easy to have a friend, but it's much harder to be a friend. And sometimes it may be not even being a friend to people you're friends with, which is strange. You could start with the smile later we talked about last episode. And maybe even we just take an F off it and call it a rend, because maybe that's easier. It's less committed with, uh, is to walk around and say, who needs a little rendship? Uh, Supounce, that's how you usually say it anyway. Rend, rend. Rend, rend, rain. Friendship and rain. Two things you can count on with Sapounce, is you just go around and say, hey, dude, like, dude, would it, like for, you know, a rend would say, hey, let me carry that bag for you. Hey, you look frowny, or you look, oh, geez, you seems like you're having a hard day. And, you know, do, like, uh, do that outside, you know, outside of your house. Uh, uh, and don't say, another thing friends don't do is say, razafrazen, and frazen. When they're looking on the book of faces, which the Podman does, he says he can only use the the internet very rarely because he's so busy. But when he does, sometimes he gets on there, and his face changes, and then he goes razafrazen, frizzen, frozen, and he's flicking with his thumb. I think that used to be called Renbook, and we like, but just to, you know what I mean, folks. That's what I'm selling this week is friendship or Renship, uh, a lighter version of friendship. Uh, that you do for others, and it'll come back to you. I know this because uh, think about the journey I've had. Uh, not an easy one, but now I live with a man named the Gregor and a man named Ray, who is my friend. He's a father figure and a friend to me, and I have my best friend all the time, the whole way through, Sapounce. And even the Podman, who tries not to be my friend because he says he, you know, it makes him feel a swing squange inside his, his where his heart used to be, he pats my back and says, "It's okay, Tom, and you're going to be okay." you you you, and he even tells me one time when I when I do say, "Is the hair growing there? Is this my man hair growing?" He says, "I think it is, Tom, and I think you're becoming a man." And I said, well, it's about time. And he said, you've been a man longer than you know, Tom. And you're like, uh, he always says things like that to boost me up. I think that's really what he's doing, but that's a rent, that's a friendship. And of course, sometimes it's not easy, especially with me when I demand things because I've used, I'm used to being treated quite well and adjusting to this plebeian life has not been easy for me. And I still order people around sometimes, or throw fits, or, th- you know, uh, throw tantrums. Uh, I demand four chickens for dinner, or, you know, they have these chickens right in the store. They're cooked, rotisserized. I don't know how they do the rotisserized, but I will grab them and run through the store with them. 
in my arms. And then the pod man will say, no, no, we have food. At home. And I say, no, I want my chicken, sir. Uh, but still, he says, uh, you know, someday, you know, he says, okay, well, you could keep it warm until, and then we'll put it back on the shelf. Uh, you go, you know, he still can be a rend, uh, even when I'm difficult. Uh, and that's the time, like, I need a rend really the most when I'm acting out. Uh, really, I've learned these things from... Uh, I've been watching reruns of this man, Phil Donahue. He's taught me so much uh, on the tube. Uh, that's the only thing Ray will let me watch is I say, oh, this is Phil Donahue. If only he could have been my father. <laughs> but uh, he, he, I've learned many things from that. Uh, and so I'm trying. Uh, when I'm difficult in acting out is really when I am saying, could you be my friend? I'm acting like I don't want you to be my friend, or it's going to be incredibly not fun to be my friend, be my friend. And I'm not saying it's easy. Again, this is amazing solutions to everyday problems. Uh, and it's not going to fix everything. Uh, there's some things that cannot be fixed. Uh, or, so, you know, believe me, if anyone knows these things, it's I. I my mother is like uh, caring about with a blue-faced man and all of those things. So, uh, you know, it's it's not easy being a human or a Westerosi or from, you know, a Khaleesi even. Uh, but Padman told me to say that. Uh, or an interpreter. He also said to say that. So be a friend or be a rend. If you're not ready to be a friend, be a rend, even when it's hard. And just do it because in the end it will come back to you. It really does. Uh, I mean, I don't really do anything for any of them. So I say, it's just practice, Padman. It's I'm practicing, I'm developing your friendship organs. And, you know, Sir Pounce has taught me how to be. I, I, one day I will, when I I told the Padman, I'll be a friend. Uh, he said, why don't you do anything for me? Nice. And I said, I did. I ate all your ice cream. It saves you from every, you know, I've saved you. And then he says, please, really? And I say, well, uh. Anyway, but he, uh, what was I saying? I got mixed up there. Oh, it's not easy. Oh, when I have hair, when I have my man hair in, then I will do, I will become a friend then because I'll be an adult and then I'll start acting like one. But you could act like an adult whenever you want. It's not, again, it's worth it and you're worth it. You're worth having people be friend to you. But the weird thing is, it's not fair. When you're not a royal, it's not fair. You got to be a friend first, I guess. So, rent ship, free shipping and handling, because you do it yourself. That's it, like, uh, but we won't be charging you. Thank you for being my rent this year. I know a lot of you have sent me nice words and wondered uh, if I'm good and I'm doing great. Uh, because, uh, you know, I, I have something to do. The podman keeps me busy with this, uh, trying to read his handwriting and giving him notes and saying, this won't do. Rewrite it again. And also bring me some chicken or some, you know. So anyway, thank you for listening to K-Pounce Radio. From all of us at K-Pounce Radio, we're your friends. It's a radio station, K-Pounce, of uh, boys and girls, uh, cats and kids, and friends beyond the binary. Because we mean it. We love you here at K-Pounce. Thanks for listening. And be a friend, because we're friends to you. Thank you, friends, and good day. From Sapam, Sapamen. So Tom and, and Sapounce, Sapounce say goodbye. Ryan, my. 
Right on, Sapounce. Uh, Isringhausen Berlinghoff uh, signing off. Wow, Tom, and I'm totally touched. I'm touched too. You, you listeners are good people. And uh, is Mike still on? I want to, like, they're wonderful people, those listeners. You have a special thing, Podman, really. And you, you know, even though I live in your brain, one day, you know, this, you know, if being unhealthy helps you be healthy, then it's okay. So be a rend. I'll try. I'll try. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Okay, signing off, K-Pounce Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and cats, beyond the binary, K-Pounce Radio, the radio of friendship. Signing off. Crone, uh, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog God, it's me praying in. I don't know if this will be the last time I talk to you for, for a while or what, uh... You know, when's the next uh, GOT holiday other than the season premiere? Uh, it does Joe Crone. Well, probably, probably not. I mean, the next time I stub my toe, I'll be saying uh, something, something, something Crone. It's something else, something else. Uh, believe, you know, when uh, Crone, do you read any old comics where they have the different letters uh, for swear words? You know, asterisk, hashtag, about sign, crone, exclamation, all caps. Anyway, crone, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog Guide. Praying in, because uh, I forgot where I left off on my last prayer. But since this may or may not be the last one I send out to you, I figure let's get it all, let's get it going, let's get it started. And ended at the same time. And oh, the circle of the gods, how wise. Oldest of the old, newest of the new. And this season, gods, I was praying, you know, uh, for help being a better person, to be honest. Uh, ideally, that would have come with, you know, ideally that comes with some uh, some tangible benefits and intangible ones. And I figured I could become a better listener. Yeah, because they figure that's all you guys who is sit up there and maybe listen or don't listen. Kind of like the way the podcast works. Like the listeners can passively listen. You guys, uh, I didn't realize it. Guys, have I been just putting you to sleep the whole time, Crone? Crone. Crone. Do you love when I do that, Crone, when I pretend you're, I can't tell if you're asleep or Crone, I'm talking to you. I would never say that, but I was praying up for uh, help with listening. And this season, I was going to ask for help with the, the five A's, they call it, in the book uh, the, the book I'm reading. Uh, attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, and allowing. Did I forget to appreciate you, crone, sweet, sweet crone, with affection? I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate the life lessons you send down to me. I appreciate your help in allowing other people to be themselves uh, and help me to accept my follies, even when I project onto you my shortcomings, Crone. And that I can ask and say, I'm sorry, Crone, I was wrong to uh, joke with you. And uh, like when, you know, when my motivations are pure, which is always, I mean, let's be like, uh, but Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, thank you so much for. Help with the five A's. Help me this off season. 
you know, uh, I would appreciate a couple extra episodes. I would appreciate 10 episodes. I know it's tough and expensive to make the show, and they want to make the best. I can relate to all that, but I just miss it so much. Uh, but, oh, Crone, thank you. And help me, you know, help me with those things. Help, help me do that so I can be a better uh, a sibling to the world, a brother, a sister, cousin to the world, the kindest cousin, like not a kissing cousin. Oh, Crone, thank you, Crone. Miller, uh, acceptance, appreciation, allowing, acceptance, appreciation, allowing, affection. Ooh, I, 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 got a, I forgot them all already. Appreciation, accept, like allowing, I don't know, Miller. You know, my brain's been ground up in uh, repackaged. But Miller, help me be a better listener. I know you're trying and, you know, just like the big wheel, as I've said every time, the big wheel keeps on turning. Uh, you know, you're like the paddle wheel, you know, kind of like a, which came first, Miller's wheel or the paddle wheel, Miller? Probably the Miller's wheel. You're right. Oh, boy. I, I didn't mean to offend you. You know, but like the slow turning of a paddle wheel, which is kind of like always in my brain, just a bad, just like Homer Simpson. You could, Miller, are you familiar with The Simpsons? Allow me to introduce you to The Simpsons, Miller, and uh, maybe you're more responsible with devices than Barky. Is I could get you some, uh, I think, uh, FXX or something. They have all the Simpsons episodes. I think you would appreciate them. I think you would have affection for them. I think you should allow yourself. Uh, and accept yourself uh, to have some time with the Simpsons and whatever the other one is. Appreciate, did I say that? Uh, I think that would be your thing, Miller. While you're grinding, can you watch something while you're grinding, while the wheel's grinding? Because you're just a god. You're, you're doing the god stuff. Uh, so more meta- is it more metaphorical for you? But anyway, Miller, thanks for the help. Uh, Smith, you're, uh, you know, grinder of grains, that's Miller. Uh, Smith. Uh, Forger of irons, you know, architect of alloys. How do you like that, Miss Smith? How do you like that one? Uh, and helping me with the five A's, giving me the armor uh, that I needed to take off. Uh, by giving me armor, you showed me how to remove it. The wisdom of the Smith. The first, I put, set aside my shield of uh, not allowing, and I set it aside at the behest of the Smith. I accidentally called a miller sometimes, and I could start to allow other people and myself to be human. And then I, like, as I took off the great plate mail surrounding my heart and my mind and my niceness, I maybe could appreciate the, the other and myself and the humans. And by appreciating them, I could also accept them which is kind of like allowing. So maybe as this off-season goes on, I'll understand those differences. And eventually I could have affection for all that stuff. And whatever the other A I forgot was, uh, it's not aptitude because I don't have that yet. Uh, but thanks, Smith. Uh, you know, without you saying uh, to me, hey, uh, that's not chain mail, and don't put it in your mouth. I would have, you know, would have never known uh, how to open my heart to other people. And, you know, like we said, don't, you know, I've unhardened my heart. Uh, 
So thanks, Smith. Thanks for being around. Thanks for letting me talk to you. And, you know, what, what can I say other than you're great? Good night. Oh, Barky. Uh, hey, what can I say, Barky? If there was 50, if there's five A's, I'd give you 50 A's. Uh, and it'd give you some A pluses because, oh, how your branches allow me respite. Oh, how even the roughest of bark feels affectionate on my cheek. Uh, and climbing in your limbs makes me appreciate uh, being, you know, being able to climb and being able to see. To appreciate the, the cool breezes and the warm breezes, the pattering of rain. Oh, Barky, how, how much, you know, you've done a lot for me, Barky. And appreciate it. And uh, allow me to say thanks. Uh, I already did with that with the crown, but, uh, and, uh, like, uh, whatever the other ones, Barky, I get, like, I'm just as twisted as the branches in your trees. Oh, attention. I guess that's what I had to look it up, Barky. It, 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 but that's what I'm showing you guys by prayering up. So, uh, thanks for the attention you shower on me. All the shade. You don't, you, you know, you throw shade on me a lot, but, uh, it's a different kind. It's the kind that, uh, you know, prevents sunburn. But mostly, Barky, I want to thank you for the smiles and also, you know, for uh, all the money I'm not getting back for the rustier electronics. Uh, but I appreciate you and I appreciate the uh, kindness you've done for me and all you, you know, thanks, Barky. Yeah, Jester and Hound Dog, I don't want to get too uh, mushy for the two of you. But, uh, you know, well, I'm going to say I couldn't have done it without either one of you. Laughing at myself, appreciating my foibles and my grouchiness. Paying attention to my, you know, ability to uh, not pay attention. Thank you for that. You know, thank you for teaching me, uh, you know, hound dog, what a grouchy affection is and... uh you know, Jester, what unattainable, you know, how, how I can't attain affection how you do. But maybe I could learn a thing or two, you know, you know what I mean. I appreciate, I appreciate the examples you stand up there, all you gods. You know, I accept I'm just a human and I don't know what I'm doing. And I want to be better. I mean, that's what this season was all about for me, was saying, hey, I'd like to be a better person. I'd like to uh, make out the maiden, which, uh, you know, if either way, maiden, if I'm not a good person, then I'm a bad boy. You know, maiden, maybe I even need to be disciplined. I don't know if that's on your, you know, menu, you know, soup du jour. Uh, but if it's, or I could be, you know, I'm on the road to good, you know, not even being a good person. You know, I just like to be a decent one. And help other people, you know, and say, hey, well, like, uh, I'm here to listen. I'm here to help. Uh, and, of course, guys, I want the rich stuff. I mean, who who would have thought this season was just about being nice? You know better than me. Also, give me some rich stuff and some of the, you know, God stuff, some thunderbolts. Uh, I waited till this time to pray for any of that stuff. But, give, give you know, give me some uh, cauldrons of... Uh, you know, power and all those things too. But if you can't give me those things, I'll take, I'll take me a little, being a little bit nicer, gods. Thank you. And I'll miss you. I'll talk to you soon. Good night.